All right. So this is week four of our five-week series on relationships 101. The first couple weeks we discussed some global things, communication and kindness. And then last week we discussed one that was rather narrow in focus, right? We discussed sex, which is rather narrow to one type of relationship. But we're going to broaden it back out this week. We're going to talk about love. Love, right? You know what love is? Okay. Before we do that, though, i got a question for you. What English word holds the Guinness Book of Record for the most possible meanings? Any guesses? <laughs> it's not love, but that's okay. Any guesses? Come on. You've got to have something. Huh? Hope? Nope. It's shorter. Huh? It. Did you say if or it? Longer. <laughs> it's a three-letter word. Joy? Okay. The answer is set. Set has, according to the Oxford English Dictionary, 430 meanings. It's a 60,000-word entry in the Oxford English Dictionary. And you say to yourself, how could it possibly have 430 meetings and sub-meetings? Well, if you think of it this way, you think it's a verb. I set the mug down on the table, right? Or the printer refused to set the type. Also a verb, but a different meaning, right? I set sail for Australia. Different meaning, but still a verb. There's also phrasal verbs, like I'm set apart or... Uh, um, set in or set off, right? So you've added a modifier to it and it changes the meaning. It can also be a noun, a spare set of clothes. Or in tennis, he took the first set of the match, right? As an adjective, you could say, I try to feed the cat at a set time every day. Or I'm rather set in my ways, right? And that's just seven or eight different, slightly different meanings and sub-meanings for one word in the English language. Now, if you look up any word, I think we know that it has multiple meanings. Most English words have multiple meanings. If you look it up in the dictionary, right, it'll say it could mean this, or it could mean this, or it could mean this. This one just happens to be the most complex. Did you, was that in any of your minds, your guess? For the most complex word. Okay. When I said the word set, did you assume that everybody knows what that means? Everybody knows what that means, right? Unless you're teaching somebody English for the first time. Can I just tell you that teach one of the English has lots of difficulties to teaching it, but one of the difficulties is we have a ton of homonyms and homographs. One word that means many different things. It's all dependent upon context, right? And when you're trying to teach somebody this, this language, it's really difficult to teach the subtleties of what this could mean or not mean, given its context. And so as we talk about love, while it doesn't have quite as many meanings, it still does have a lot of different meanings. It's, it's a verb. We could say, I love you, or I love to dance. It's a noun. He could say, his love for music is inspiring. Or at the end of a letter, we might say, love 
Judy or love whoever, and, or it could be a phrase, you fall in love, right? Or he did it for love or for the love of Mike, right? Which I say often when I'm, I'm just incredulous about something. The problem with having one word means so many things is that we tend to assume when someone uses it that they understand it the same way that we do. And I think that happens with love very often. When someone says to you, I love you, you assume they're saying what you're hearing. You assume that they mean everything that you mean when you think of it or when you say it. But love has different meanings for different people. It has different layers. It has different attachments or different connections to it or different expressions, right? Love is one of those words that we use often to convey um, a, a desire or, or a, a feeling for, right? But it means so many different things. It's not, it's not the same to say, I love you to my wife and to also say, I love cake, which I don't. I hate cake, but that's a whole other discussion. I love ice cream, right? Did you say nobody, how could you not like cake? Mental note, love brownies, hate cake. It's the spongy thing. I don't get it. Anyways, we're getting off track. Okay. We're not. So now let's, that's the English word love. Now Greek, which is what we're going to spend some time in today, um, actually has four different words for love. Four different words that are designed to describe different things. And most of them are not higher or lower on the, on the food chain. They're just different. And as we get into it, you'll see how it describes different things. I personally like it better because there's more nuance to it. It's easier, right? The first one is this one. It's the one we discussed kind of last week. It's an eros love. Eros, it's a physical or sensual love. It's the only one of these four that's not in the Bible. And I don't believe that's because it doesn't matter to God. If you read, obviously we talked about it last week, I think it matters. We, and if you read Song of Songs or any one of a number of other texts, it clearly, it clearly is something that God addresses regularly, that God gives us advice on. I think the reason he doesn't, and this is an I think, is because it it doesn't need to stand alone. Eros is not one of those things that should just be expressed all by itself. It is part of a greater love. It is part of something more, right? But there's more to this. In the New Testament, the word love, in my translation, the CSB, is shown 218 times in 186 verses. And it shows up in one of three words. The next one is storge. Storge is a natural affection or an obligation for a husband, a wife, or a child. It's the kind of love that happens immediately. When you, when you give birth to a child, you immediately love your child, right? You love your child. And if somebody said, well, why do you love your child? Your answer would be, because it's my kid, it's my child, Right? So there's, there's this natural affection or connection that happens between parents and children. There's this natural 
connection or affection that happens between husbands and wives. It's right. Why do you love your husband? Well, you could announce the ways, but at the end of the day, it's because you're bonded together, right? There's this, this natural connection, or at least as God designed it, this natural connection that occurs. That is what storge means. We see it, it's part of a, a basic Christian ethic. We see it in Romans 12, 10. It says storge is, it asks us to storge one another deeply as brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Storge, love one another deeply as brothers in Christ. It's this natural connection or bond we're supposed to have. The next one is phileo. Phileo. Phileo is a tender, heartfelt affection for one another. It is a, almost a brotherly love. In fact, there might be a city on the East Coast named after it. Any guesses? Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. At least that's what it's called. Although if you ask anybody who's from Philadelphia, most of them will say, not so much. But that's, that's where the name comes from. It's the city of, it's a brotherly love. Phileo is a love that responds to kindness and appreciation. It is a, a love that it, it involves giving as well as receiving. It's a back and forth. But when it is greatly strained, it can collapse in a crisis. Phileo is a love of, of should be a love of close friends, but it, it has boundaries. It has boundaries. There is, in John chapter 11, we see Jesus, this is referred to as Jesus. Jesus is said to have this love for Lazarus. In 1135, we see that Jesus wept at the sorrow of of Lazarus dying and watching Mary and Martha cry. I really believe that's why he was weeping. It's empathy. He's weeping because they're weeping, right? He knows what? that he's going to save Lazarus. He knows he's going to bring Lazarus back. So he's not worried about Lazarus' soul. He's got that all under control. He's crying because they're crying. There's a, a connectedness and empathy. And in John eleven thirty six, 36, right after he weeps, it says, so the Jews said, see how he loved him. See how he phileo him. So this brotherly concern and connection for one another. We have those with people, right? There are people in your life that you are connected to, brothers and sisters that that you deeply love very much. They're not your husband. They're not your wife. They're not your child. They're your best friend maybe, right? If you're blessed enough, your best friend can be your spouse, right? Who said yes? Yeah, it's good. (laughs) Are you hoping or are you just... It's It's an option, yes. It's an option. (laughs) <laughs> but there is one more we're going to look at, look at, and that's the greatest of loves. This is the one that I would say is above the others because it, I think it is a combination of all of them in so many ways, and that is agape, right? Some of you have been around the church for a while. You know that. You know you've heard this word before. Some have not, but Agape is this unconditional love, this selfless love. It's the way God himself is described in 1 John 4, 8. It says God is love. God is agape. It includes loving someone even when there is no immediate benefit of loving them, from loving them. Does that make sense? For God so loved the world... 
agape, the world, that he gave his only begotten son, right? Did he expect everyone to be saved immediately? Clearly not. It hasn't happened. But did he love them anyways? Yeah. Agape is this this love that can withstand all the difficult situations that come down the pipe. It is this love that says, you know what? No matter what happens, I will still care for you no matter what. Are there many people in your life that you could say, there's nothing you could do to make me stop loving you? Yeah? Are there a lot of people like that in your life? Be honest, probably not many. Probably not many. You could probably name them all on one or two hands, right? Two hands if you have a big heart. But God has that kind of love. And the text we're going to look at today is out of 1 Corinthians 13. It's one we hear at weddings all the time. But can I tell you, while I think it is applicable to a wedding, it's also so much more. Because this text, where it occurs in the text, really has nothing to do with a wedding. It has to do with two groups of people or more that are disagreeing with one another, that can't seem to find common ground, that treat each other disrespectfully even though they're supposed to be one in Christ, that do not watch out for one another, that do not have a brotherly love for each other, that do not have a storge love for one another, and they're obviously, and a lot of them are using the arrows kind of love in very inappropriate ways, Right? They've got it all wrong, they're all off base, and they can't see eye to eye on anything. And Paul challenges them. He says this very simply, look, if if you're going to experience and be the people that God set the tone for, God gave his son out of this love, this all-encompassing, unconditional, fulfilling, I'm with you till the very end and beyond kind of love, then you need to remember that you are called to act the same way way in the midst of your difficulties, because that is where love really shows up. Love should not be, agape should not be a fair-weather transactional thing. When I say transactional, what I mean is, as long as you make me happy, I will love you. As long as you do love me, I will love you, because Jesus loves the entire world, despite the fact that many do not love him. That's big. That is a lot to ask from my tiny little heart. But that is what love, what godly agape love looks like. And that's exactly what Paul is calling them to, the Corinthians to, in our text today. So let's read it. Let's go through our text. This is 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 8. It says, If I speak human or angelic tongues but do not have agape, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and if I have all the faith so that I can move mountains but I do not have agape, I am nothing. And if I give away all of my possessions, and if I give over my body in order to boast, but I do not have agape, I gain 
nothing. Agape is patient. Agape is kind. Agape does not envy. It is not boastful. It is not arrogant. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not irritable. It does not keep a record of wrongs. Agape finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things, and it endures all things. Agape never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. Or as for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. Are you getting the picture yet? What agape should look like? The reason that he lists all these things, that it is a a clanging gong or a symbol, is because that's how people in the church in Corinth are treating one another. They're not speaking to one another in love. And so it doesn't matter how good the advice is. We've talked about this before in communication. If it doesn't get heard, it just doesn't matter. They're treating each other that way. That's how they're talking to one another. Have you ever had an, an argument with somebody, even somebody super close to you like your spouse, and you feel like, I know they heard what I said, but they're just not getting it? <laughs> okay. Okay, Okay. at some point, when we're trying to communicate, it is really easy to lose sight of love and communicating in love and become frustrated and you just want to get your point across. I just want to get my point across, right? When you get to that point, we've kind of lost love because it's no longer about communicating, it's about winning, right? It's about me informing you of how you should feel. So what does this text tell us about love? Well, first it says this, love, agape, is foundational to a relationship. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, do not be unequally yoked with young with unbelievers right it's talking about a, a marriage relationship or in that case it's actually talking about a bond that you have with people your closest friends those who advise your life those who are connected to you do not be bonded to them do not be yoked with them well, why why do you think it says that do not be yoked with unbelievers hmm cuz it matters it does it matters do you know what a yoke is Yes, a yoke, yeah, a yoke is a team, a pair of oxen strapped together and pulling a load together. If you are yoked to someone who is not up to the task, who is an unbeliever in this case, then you're going to end up pulling more of the load than they are. I met with someone earlier this week, we were talking about that, we were talking about the notion that this, this love if, if somebody loves you and you love them, then you are pulling together. You are equally yoked. And so often, we are afraid. We don't give love because we are afraid that someone's not going to pull with us. We do that. And so often, though, I see others who yoke up with anything or anyone that they feel like 
could be love, that could pull with them. But the reality is they're not in any place to pull with them. Does that make sense? You ever feel like you're one-sided in your marriage? I've seen plenty of marriages fall apart because one person is invested and the other one won't invest. I'm sorry, it doesn't work unless you're both invested. And, an ag- and you need an agape love for that to work because at some point, as perfect as I am, I'm going to make my wife frustrated. Right? I'm going to frustrate her. And the truth is, if she throws in the towel on me then, because I made her mad, we're done, right? And it's going to lead to more and more and more frustration. And eventually, it's going to lead to bitterness of heart, probably from both of us. And you're going to find that one of you feels like you're pulling really hard, and the other one feels like they're pulling really hard too. You're just going that way instead of, Together. Agape love is not dependent upon how I feel about you right now. It is not dependent upon that. And that is hard. That is really hard because human beings frustrate each other. Right? Even the greatest of of connections or bonds that you have with your children or your wife or your husband or your best friend or whoever that is, even the closest of bonds will frustrate each other because none of us are perfect. And if we're going to decide whether or not we're going to give or withhold love based on how we feel about somebody in the moment, then we're missing out on the agape love that God has for us. It makes it hard for you to experience it if you can't allow for it with others. With me? So it's foundational, and and it's more than just a feeling. That's our next point. It's a choice that leads to an action. People say they fall in love. I, I, I don't agree. I think you can fall in a hole... I think you can fall off your bike, but I don't really think that people fall into agape. Does that make sense? I think it's an interesting phrase. I think it's a cute phrase to say, I fell in love. The problem with that is that people say often that they fell out of love. If you fall out of love, then what you had is not agape. It's not that. It might be, it might be eros. It might be, and, and if it's eros without anything else, it's what? It's lust. That's what it is. Eros can't walk by itself. It needs a friend. Okay? It's, it was lust. Or it was transactional. It was as long as you're making me happy, I'm in love. But the minute you stop making me happy, I fell out of love. I've had, especially men, I've had husbands go to their wives and say to you, I don't love you, I never loved you. I think we need a divorce. And on one hand, I want to say, you're right, you probably did never love her. On the other hand, I want to smack him upside the head. 
and go, how cold and hateful can you be? But the truth is what they had was never that. And so often we settle for that. We settle for this half-hearted, transactional or, or physical version of what love is just because it kind of sort of feels like that. They say that some of us have to hit rock bottom before we go up. Unfortunately, I see so many people just kind of bounce along the bottom, right? It's like, it's like if they get off the bottom just a little bit, they just, and in this case, especially with relationships, they get just a little bit of love. They go, okay, I've left the bottom. I'm not stuck on the bottom anymore. I'm moving somewhere. And they go, okay. The problem is that in order to breathe, you can't just get off the bottom. You've got to get to the, you got to get to the surface. You have to get to the top to really find the air that your, your lungs need. And in the case of love, to really find the love that your heart needs because you do need it. But you just can't settle for something that kind of looks like it or just gets you off the bottom. If there's someone in your life that you think you love, I would ask yourself, honestly, do you have this love, this unconditional fullness of love, and do they have it for you? Or are they just helping you bounce along the bottom? Make sense? This kind of love, this choice that leads to action is considerate. That's why it says that agape is patient and agape is, is kind. It considers the feelings of others. It evaluates our relationships as God evaluates our relationships. It sees others as he sees them. And it asks, does this relationship honor God? It is selfless. Agape does not envy it. It is not boastful. It is not arrogant. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not irritable. And it does not keep a record of wrongs. If we have agape, can I just say that winning an argument doesn't matter anymore. Finding righteousness matters. Finding God's answer is what matters. So many of us have arguments, whether it's with our friends or our children, or our spouses, and I keep going back to those three because those are the three big ones where winning is the goal. Can I tell you if you're fighting to win, you've already lost? Because you've lost sight of God, God's righteousness, God's unconditional love. Make sense? It is this, this choice that leads to action is also encouraging. Agape finds no joy in unrighteousness but rejoices in truth. This, this love, this agape choice is always wants to see the person that it loves succeed. Jesus desires for you to come to know him. Jesus died so that you could find salvation. He did not die so that he could find salvation. Jesus is love. Jesus is saved. <laughs> I'm thinking he's probably fine, right? Come on, laugh. That was funny. Okay, that's all I got. That's all, that, that's all I got's funny, people. That's it. Jesus did not die for his benefit. Agape love is not about what I get out of it. It's about what I can help you do. It's about what I can give to you to help you grow and you change. And if you've got 
two people, especially in a marriage, that are thinking that way about one another, you're not going to fail. If you've got a best friend that they care more about their own, your growth than theirs, and you care about their growth more than your own, you've got cheerleaders for each other, right? You've got people that are encouraging one another to grow. They're not tearing each other down. They're not ripping each other apart. They are helping each other grow. They are walking with you through the tough times. They are encouraging you to become more, and they rejoice with you as you grow closer to God. They rejoice with you. I don't know about you, but I need those people in my life. I need that person who's going to say, awesome, well done. And I try really hard to be that for other people. I'm going to embarrass what, Melanie? I'm going to embarrass you. Oh, joy, she says. In case you don't know, Melanie's been doing amazing things. Melanie is, has engaged with our um, fellowship team, our fellowship ministry, right? She's now on that. She's now taking pictures for those events. She's now setting up things for those events. She's now running her own Bible class that she just started for people in her age group. She's now on our greeter team. And every time she does something awesome like that, what do I do? I'm so excited for her, right? Shouldn't you be too? You really should be. You should be so excited for her because that's what agape is. It's me cheering for you and you cheering for me and us cheering for each other. As we grow closer to God, as our, as our relationships get tighter, as our kids do incredible things and we celebrate each other's successes and victories together, Praise God, that's what agape looks like. Agape is loving others, hoping that they will be encouraged. It's about strengthening others. It's not about getting what you want out of the relationship. It's about two people or three people or four people or five all helping each other grow, all helping each other become more, become what God desires them to be, to chase God, to pursue God, to know the agape of God. This agape love is also unbreakable. It is enduring. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And you know what's awesome about that is it allows you to be imperfect and still know that you are worthy of love. So many of us convince ourselves we're not worthy of being loved. Don't let Satan lie to you like that. Do not let Satan lie to you like that. Agape love means you know, even if you're experiencing it, you know that even though you're not perfect, even though you're going to make a mistake, even though you're going to say the wrong things, that you are in fact loved. You are, I hate to say worthy, but you are, you're worthy of love. Why? Because God says you are. God says you are, and that's all you need to know. Don't let Satan tell you otherwise. This agape love is also eternal. It never, ever, ever ends. All these other things, it says at the end of our text today, it says, but as for prophecies, 
they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. What that means is no matter what changes, no matter what stops, no matter what alters in your life, agape love, this genuine, heartfelt, deep, unconditional, selfless, prevailing love will never end. Never. And my question for you today would be, do you believe that you are loved that way? In your heart of hearts, do you believe that all the stipulations that we place on love, because we place them there whether we want them to or not, we try very hard to make it unconditional, but sometimes it becomes conditional, that no matter what, you are loved. Do you know who Jeffrey Dahmer is? Yeah, I like that with the spoons. Okay. Let's just say, for those of you who are too young to know who he is, um, not a wonderful guy. Did a whole lot of really overly bad things. Sick, mentally ill. Is he loved? If God can love Jeffrey Dahmer and people like him, can he love you? Is Jeffrey Dahmer saved? Will we see him in heaven? The answer, I think, is yes. He came to salvation two weeks before his death. Two weeks before he was stabbed to death in prison. He came to know the Lord. Confessed, was baptized, and came to know God. If God can choose to forgive that guy and love that guy, no matter what he's done, he can love you too. So, that should be just... That makes me want to sit down for a minute. If I really process it, that makes that... That is un believable because I am so, in my mind, not worthy of love. But God says, I am. And if you're sitting here in this room and there's some, even a slight inkling that you are not loved by the Lord God, my goodness, you need to get with some people and start praying right now that your heart opens up, that you are reminded that he loves you unconditionally, that he loves you, this agape, this full-blown, all there is to it love, this unconditional, always enduring love is offered to you. You just have to accept it because it's already there. It's waiting. Can you say that? Amen? Amen. That is waiting for you today. And I don't know where else I would end. So we're going to end right here, right now. I have two prayer warriors who have believed, who have agreed to come up and pray today with you. I would love everybody else to stand. What we do is we end our service with this time of prayer. And, and, and I have a special thing on my heart today for those who feel like they're not loved or worthy of love. If you feel like you are not loved or worthy of love, I would, I beg you, don't walk out of here today without stopping to pray with a prayer warrior or pray with me or pray with the person next to you to confess that problem. Because it is. It's keeping you from knowing the love of God. To just let it go. 
to just own the fact, rejoice, fall to your knees, whatever it takes, own the fact to know that you are loved. Say it, loved. You are loved. Yes? Okay. So she's going to play. I'm going to read off some prayers, some public prayers that we have. The Culps asked for continued prayer for Kevin Culp's family. His father-in-law, Sal Catalano, has gone to be with the Lord. And though he is resting in the graces of God and that eternal love, that agape love, it is difficult for his family. We ask the same for Diane Hartzler at the loss of her sister. We know she is with the Lord, right? But that doesn't always make it easy here for us. And we ask for strength for her, strength for Kim and their family and, and Diane's sisters. We ask today for prayers for Sonny Jackson. He's intensive care in Lima. Bud has asked for those prayers with seizures. We also want to praise God. Uh, we have an update on Justin's heart rhythm challenges. He has gone to the doctor. With Some of you know we've been praying for him. He's had some issues with his heart, not knowing what's going on. It's an electrical signal. There are options to repair it and work on it. Right now they're going to monitor it, which means what? Amen. It's not life-threatening, right? That's a praise God for that. And that there are ways to fix it, and we're going to do that, right? Yes. So God has provided a way for him to be healed. Praise God for that. Praise God for all those who worked yesterday. I want to thank you personally for all of you who painted and ripped down walls, right? And helped get this place ready for our youth, because praise God, we have youth, right? We have teenagers, we have children that we want to teach them about this unconditional love for God, this unconditional excitement for God. We want them to have that, and we are so excited to see those things kind of come together. Thank you, Matt, for leading that. I thank you, and I thank you all those who came out. Is there anything else? Is there anything else that we feel like we need to pray for today? The troops. Absolutely, Miss Holly, we will pray for the troops. Don't want to miss out on that. Yes. Okay, prayers for your sister specifically. What are your sister's names? Sherry? Sherry, Bonnie, and Paula, right? Okay, Paula, that last one should be easy for you, right? Yeah. Anything else? Anything else God's putting on your heart? Right here, right now, this time, this place. If you feel, I'm not kidding, if you feel unlovable and you walk out of here today, you're missing an opportunity. You're missing an opportunity to be healed. You're missing an opportunity to find strength where you've never found it before. You're missing an opportunity to let God's love wash away your challenges and your fight and your difficulties. Yes, one more. Oh, Holly's going on a cruise. Oh, praise God. Our, our Tracy's niece Ari came home on Tuesday. Praise God for that. We were worried about that. I'm glad she's home. That's awesome. That's great. Anything else? Yes. Brian. Yes. Yep. 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 He's living in the bushes in the parks, right? Pray for him. There was one more on here. Not that one. That's a private one. I had one more. I got to find it. 
think I got them all. Good. All right, let's close in prayer. Father God, we know that you love us unconditionally. Sometimes it's very hard for us to realize that we're worthy of that love. We think we need to settle for something less. We need to settle for something that is conditional or transactional or, or just gives us a little bit of joy in the moment or hope. We think that's all we're worth. But Lord, you sent your son to tell us emphatically otherwise. To tell us that no matter how much we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that while we are still sinners, you love us. You loved us enough to die for us. That your love for us is is unconditional and that your love for us is intended to be encouraging, to, to move us toward you. Lord, I pray for those today who have that difficulty, that thinks something about them makes them not lovable, if they need to settle for something less than your complete, unfailing, enduring, eternal, encouraging, agape love. I pray that you will wipe their hearts clean of that. You'll help them realize there is so much more that they'll not chase it in other places and not settle for some cheap facsimile of what love could and should look like, but to remember that you are the example, that you have called us to something beyond our wildest dreams, that when we practice that or we try in our best to practice that, to show that to one another and to receive it openly from one another, that we grow closer to you and help others grow closer to you. It is a love worth waiting for. A love that none can match. For you are matchless. God, I'm thankful for an opportunity to come together here today. I'm thankful for you giving us a chance to worship you in public. Thank you for this family of believers and for those who are visiting today, I, I pray that they will find a home here where they can be encouraged and they can find and see and experience that agape love. Father God, we bring before you all the prayers of those we read off today and so many more that are unspoken. We pray that you will intercede on their behalf, that you will calm hearts and give peace to those who are in turmoil. You'll give strength to those who are weak and show grace to those who are in so dire need of it. I pray that you will empower our weak in our conversations, that you will give us opportunity to tell others of your great love and show others your great love and to experience your great love. Thank you for your son. For it is his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much.